Genesis, Genesis chapter 13, we're going to read verse 5 and what follows. But the land could not, verse 6, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. <coughs> the Canaanites and the Parasites were also living in the land at the time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of the of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot, Lot had parted from him, "Lift up your eyes from." Where you are and look north and south and east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So that if anyone could count the dust. Then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land. For I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tent and went to live near the great trees of Mamre in Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. May the Lord then give us the grace to understand his word and live by it. Over the last few times that I uh, had the privilege of sharing with you the gospel of the Lord, we uh, looked at the life of Abram, the father of all who believe. The Lord called Abram, not because Abram was a good man, but because the Lord wanted to call him and use him. The Lord called him into the unknown with a promise, and he believed the Lord, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now, there was the promise of the Lord to say to you, I will give this land and I will make your offspring uncountable. There was only one small problem. Abraham was at that stage on his way to 80 and his wife was barren. They had no children. So you might think that that could be a sort of a, major, a minor problem. Or for us a major problem. 
And for those who would watch Abraham as he packed up and he went into the promised land, it was even a more ridiculous situation. But Abraham had one, someone with him, Lot. That was his late brother's son. Now, according to the law and the custom of the time, Lot was as good as the son of Abram. He was as good as his own son who would inherit everything that he had. But God wanted to make it very clear to Abram, if I am calling you, if I am promising you an offspring, if I am calling you that your son would, in your son the blessing would continue through the ages until it's fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, it will be none other but the son that I will give you. So today, the, the theme for this, this, this uh, sermon is when logic fails in the eyes of faith. When logic fails in the eyes of faith. The logic thing was that there was Abraham about 80 at that stage. There was Sarah, barren. The logic was that Lot would be the one through whom the blessing would flow. But God wanted to make it very clear to Abraham, no, it's not going to happen. And God used an unusual way to bring that to him. Disagreement between the servants of the two men. It's an unusual way because I, I, I see it in sometimes that there is some value, however, we should not look for it, but there is some value sometimes in disagreement. There are times that we have to allow for the fact that we do not necessarily see eye to eye in everything. And that we should listen to what the others say and sometimes do the humanly impossible thing and say, well, we will then agree to disagree. And, and don't, don't, uh, uh, it's not licensed here to say go and, and chop one another's head off because that's what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. But sometimes it is, it is, it is as if the Lord stirs something and it brings you to a new insight as to what the way forward would be. That's what we're talking about here. And years and years later down the track, one might look at that and say, thank God for that disagreement because it opened my eyes for things I couldn't see. So husband and wife, don't, don't look for disagreement, please. That's not what we're saying here. 
But if it does happen that there could be different opinions, listen very carefully because it might just be that that is the guidance of God. So there were these servants of the two men. They started quarreling. Where would we put our flock in? Uh, we are just bumping into one another all the time. And you know how it is. If, you're a, if you would be a, a cattle farmer or a sheep farmer and all these, you know what happens. They jump the fence and it's, in the end you wouldn't know whose lambs is you know, whose. And in the end it becomes a problem. And sometimes there's a good reason why the Lord gives us fences. You're right? You, you agree with me? Yeah, it's a good thing that the Lord gives us fences. And it's a good thing that we honor those things. As a matter of fact, because God gives us fences for good reasons, he says, one of the things in the law, you shall not, what? Steal. So, God wants us to honor what he gives us and not take from others what belongs to them. And therefore, this day arrived when the two had to look one another in the eye and say, we have to make a choice here. Either you go west and I go east, or you go east and I go west, but this is not working out anymore. And I don't think it was something that that Abram would say with a smile on his face. I think it was something that he was probably troubling his heart over a long period of time until he got to the point where he called Lot and he said, Lot, let's have a cup of coffee together and discuss this thing. It's not working out, Lot. You know, the Lord brought us out of that faraway land and he brought us into this land, but it seems like doesn't work out. And the word used there in um, verse 9, unfortunately, the, the New International Version is not the best translation there. It says then, let us, in, in the New International Version, it says, let us part comp- a company. That's not correct. The correct translation there is for Abraham to say to Lot, separate yourself. Separate yourself. I don't think for one moment that Abraham said that with a smile on his face. Abraham knew now that the logic of having Lot with him as the possible successor of this blessing is now, has now come to an end. He's cutting the line between him and, and Lot now. And he's putting himself open now to say that even this promise of the Lord would now be fulfilled in a miraculous way that he would not be able to declare and understand. Separate yourself. In other words, make a choice. Make a choice... We cannot continue as it is. And so Lot chooses for himself. Because it it, it repeats, that that phrase repeats itself further down uh, the reading. Verse 11. So Lot chose for himself 
the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. You see, it, it repeats itself. Choose or no, separate yourself. In other words, make a choice yourself. Choose for yourself. Verse 11, and he did in the end choose for himself. Abraham's faith was put to the test here. Let Lot go. And if Lot chooses the best, so be it. Why? God is with you. So once again we see Abram here as a man who trusted God. And maybe although he had hope perhaps for Lot being the one. He let him go. So Lot chose for himself and he made the wrong choice. Lot was not a man of faith it seems. Not of the same caliber at least as as Abraham was. He looked maybe from the eastern side of the western side of the Jordan on the higher mountain areas. They stood and they looked down onto the Jordan Valley and that was before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. And it was green and it was lush. That was before the Red Sea, or the Dead Sea was there. It was green and it was lush. And and Lot made a choice, and his choice was what? Material gain. Isn't it? It looks good. If I can make a living there, it looks good. It looks like the Garden of the Lord, and it looks like Egypt. Egypt all along the Nile, where the Nile would every year flood, and the flood paint would be green and lush, and there would be food for everyone, and Then Lot said, well, that is my choice. I will go and live there. And if I were Abraham then, looking down over over that valley towards the east, I would have probably in my heart say, well, Lot, choose whatever you like. But you know what? I would actually like you to choose not that. Because I would like that myself. Isn't it? You know, it's like cutting an, 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 an apple or an, or an orange when we were young, when we were children. One had to cut and the other one had to choose. And when you cut it and, you, and it was not exactly in the half, you would like to think that the other one would choose the smaller part, isn't it? It's like I heard someone said. He was angry with his brother and he said, if I were you, I would have, cho- I would have chosen the smaller one. And his brother looked around and he said, that's what you've got. <laughs> I would have been there with Abram and I would have thought, you know, that looks good. When you look towards the west, it was dry hill country, hardly any water in it. It didn't look good. Lot chose wrong with wrong motives. And he chose to live with people who would eventually almost take his life. 
What is Abraham's situation? While the first part of his logic collapsed, Lot is not part of his future anymore. Lot's not in it anymore. It is Abram, the old man, with the barren wife, facing the Thirusites and the Perisites and the Canaanites and all those ites and sites. He'd be weak. He would be left alone. Lot got the best. He's not part of it anymore. The second part then of his logic collapsed too. The best part of the land is gone. And maybe deep in his heart, if I were there, if I were Abraham standing in his shoes, deep in my heart, I would have been perhaps disappointed. Perhaps you'd say, well, I left everything down where it was so, was so good in that fertile crescent, Ur of the Chaldeans and, and all these places, and I've come to this country, and, and I, I had my hopes, and all the good things are taken from me now. I'm left with only one thing. My barren wife. And it may just be that people will ridicule me now for being a bit loony. Right? Wrong. And the very next thing that we read about in the Bible is what the Bible is all about. Verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, the Lord spoke to him as the next thing that happened in his life. Was he only left with his barren wife? No, he was still left with the promise of God. And that made the difference. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Lift up your eyes to the north and to the south and to the east and to the west. And the land that you see, I, that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. You know, the contrast here is this. Lot chose for himself. The contrast is... God chose for Abram. You see, you see the difference? Lot went ahead and he, and he summed things up and he put it on the balance sheet and it worked out for him better to go there. But when by faith things are put on the books, it is how God chooses for us. And it says here that the Lord said, all the land that you see, I will give to you. It's not like you're going to take it yourself. It belongs to me in the, in the first instance. But the point of the matter is, I will give it to you. 
And I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. Now that would, would, that would have been music in the ears of Abraham. Because all logic failed now. But what happens is that his eyes by faith saw the almighty God. And he had to one step at a time trust God that even though as we read in the scriptures as we've read this morning, that God who could raise from the dead, that God would give him a son. God says to him, go walk through the land, the breadth and the, 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 breadth and the length of this land. I am giving it to you. And it is almost as if in my mind's eye I can see Abram now turning his back on the green and the lush of the Jordan Valley. And then he walked on the stony side of and the mountainous side of the Jordan. This time not sad, but with a smile on his face. And everywhere he goes, every step he gives, he says, The Lord says, this is mine. It's far better, my brother and sister, to live every day, bit by bit, out of the hand of God. than it is to live in luxury of this world. The Lord says this. You would gain nothing if you would soul sell your soul for the gain of this world. And sometimes we need to be uprooted from this world and maybe we need to walk on the hard and the chalky rocks of the western side of the Jordan with stumbling along rather than have our feet on the, on the lush green meadows of the Jordan to experience the goodness of God when out in the outback there in New South Wales, when this drought actually started, we thought it would be over in the next year, but it was not over. It dragged on and on and on and on, and it was, what was it, 10, 11 years now. But when it all started there, I visited a farmer who was a man of God, who trusted God, and he said, on the back blocks, when he walked there and there was no grass, no nothing, nothing for him to leave his sheep to live on, he would go on his knees and he would say, Lord, if I did not believe that you are sovereign, I would not be here. And there in the drought and in the heat of the summer, he knew what it was to walk with God. And sometimes 
in the lush and the green of, of prosperity, we don't feel the touch and the guidance of God as we sometimes feel in the heartache and the pain of knowing that every day belongs to God. Do you know that experience? Do you know that experience? Oh, we need to know that. We need to know that. The Lord says, I will give you. I will give you. And we know how the story of Abraham then unfolded through the history until the Lord Jesus was given to us. Because he was from the loins of the one who got the promise in the first instance. So the Lord provided for us. So that if you and I would die today in the Lord Jesus, we are receiving an inheritance that cannot be shaken. And while we live with that hope, the Bible says that cannot fade. Our bank balance can fade. Our health can go. We can lose all sorts of things on earth. But then, it will be perfect. Oh, may the Lord give us the grace and the faith to believe that. I will give you And he has given us the bread of life, the water of life, life itself, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he never ever turned back on his promise. And we we are not going to inherit a land on earth. Our promised land, our Canaan, is waiting for us one day when we die. And therefore, for, for a Christian to die, it's no sad thing. Don't ever think of a Christian when he dies, it's a sad thing. It is a glorious thing for a Christian to die. And it should be a glorious thing that drives you through life and me through life when things go wrong and it just doesn't work out. And I can say, Lord, I'm looking forward to the day when I will shut my eyes for the last time. I will breathe in and never, never do that again because I will be given a life and an inheritance in Christ Jesus that will never, never ever be shaken or will fade away. I will give you. What did Abram do? When he understood this, the Bible says he worshipped God. He built an altar to the Lord. Shall we worship him? Shall every day be a day of worship? Shall every place we put our foot down be to us 
a day of another fulfillment of the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until that glorious day. Can I just say to you, brothers and sisters, and I I say this and I don't say this lightly. I don't say this lightly. Over the last few weeks when I sometimes found myself struggling, I more than once thought about death. I don't think I was necessarily depressed when I said this. And I had to once again make sure for myself that when I die, I am with God. Have you thought about this intently? And So can I tell you now, and I say this with, with thanks to God, and I don't want to boast in any way. If it is so that God calls me, and it's not sentimental that I say this, if it's so that God calls me to himself, and I don't think necessarily it will be in the short term, however, it's in his hands. That's okay. Don't cry or be sad. Okay? Because then faith will be sight. Because God said, I will give you. And if God says that, and he has proven this in his son, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, now that he has given us his son, why would he not give us all these other things? My plea with you this morning is that you would desire to walk with God and that you would not choose the prosperity of this world. Walk with him. Trust him. Obey him. Worship him. Amen. Our Father, we pray... To thank you for your promises, and we know that your promises are not hollow. It's not like you say something and mean another. When you say that you promise, you, you deliver because you're God and you are faithful indeed. And we praise you for your faithfulness in Christ. Help us, Lord, to know that the glory of trusting you each day and walking in your footsteps, even if we feel underfoot the sharpness of the rock. In Jesus' name, amen.